Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Whale Nerds Podcast. This is episode number 69. My name is Slater, and I'm here with Kaylin, Eric, and Adam. Hey, everyone. What's up? Hello. Hello. <laughs> Hello, Mike. Eric's back. I'm back. I was he's, up back from, he's back from Badgertown. Badger yeah. U- Town, USA. Did you finally find one? Yep, I finally found one yesterday, so if you're close to me or on my Instagram or whatever social media, you probably found out. I, you, you guys are like the first few people I texted. I was like, look at this! <laughs> yeah. Dude, that's so awesome. Those p- where did, are awesome. Where did you find it? Point Reyes. Yeah. What? Yeah, Point Reyes. So I've been there like, you know, for days, but then like I got a tip from someone <laughs> they literally texted me like, uh, my mom just saw one over here. And I was like, I'm on the opposite <laughs> side of the park. So I rushed <laughs> over there and it wasn't there that day. Okay. So I went home, uh, you know, went home, came back and then dedicate. I, I left like four in the morning and just like camped out there. It was still dark and I got there and I just kind of like drove back and forth, like stalking this certain area. <laughs> and next thing you know, I just stop at this area. I'm like, this looks really badgery. And I look right in front of me and then like literally like walking across this green hill in front of me. I was like, badger. That's and so then, awesome. yeah, so then I just walked around with it for like a good, like probably 30 minutes. Uh, and then eventually it, like walked around up this hill that was really steep. So I was like, okay, I'll just let you be. But yeah, for here in California, it's a big deal because they're just, you know, not that frequently seen anymore because one they're just elusive anyway and two they're not you know as many as like like people in other states are like what are you talking about i see them every day you know it's just here it's... Yeah, i wonder i wonder what the california like badger population is so what's funny is like a few years ago i mean i've been really like looking up this stuff a few years ago someone <laughs> <laughs> actually did a paper on it oh they, really yeah it typically <laughs> has expanded they're that elusive it's like hard to get a count of them they're oh just my like, gosh. Oh, for sure it's like beak whales right you know they're like yeah their beak whales are in deep water badgers are literally underground and in some areas they're like you know they're they're well i don't want to say nocturnal but you know dusk and dawn so but in areas that are really 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 quiet enough i mean they'll come out midday like i saw this one i lost track maybe about like 8 a.m but there's people who see them walking around in noon and stuff huh. like that yeah so uh yeah here in california it's a big deal but yeah as i said there's there's a paper that was written by either someone at uc davis or over here at san jose when they did their survey about 10 years ago i mean they were just concentrated like in tiny areas here in this state but now they're spreading there's literally one that was uh well signs of one spotted in elkhorn slough so right here in the monterey bay mm. and then um there's that footage that made it, you know, onto everywhere, basically. There was that one in San Jose that was with that coyote walking around at night. You guys see that? The trail mm-hmm. cam. Yeah, yeah, the trail, trail cam, cam shots, right? Yeah. yeah. They help each other out. Badger basically digs up things. Coyote will be right there to, like, grab the rodent that, you know, the badger missed or whatever. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah. What's that? What's got... the range of a badger? How, how did one just end up in Elkhorn Slough? Well, you know what? They they're solid. They're usually solitary. And you, know, you get lucky, yeah. you might see them breeding or like a family. You know when that that's you know when that happens. But they're solitary. So if one r- r- runs into another, it's gonna move off to a different area. You know. So hmm. 
and they're just so hard to find. So who knows, you know? So yeah, but, yeah, be anywhere. But that yeah, I that paper actually did cover this area, and they didn't see any, not even in like in Fort Ord area back there. That's like untouched. But now, currently, people you know looking around or seeing signs of them or actually seeing them. So there's the saga of the badger, which there's is why Eric missed the last episode. Last two, actually, wasn't it? <laughs> no, I think you were on for the one with Sarah and Jeff. That was the last one oh, okay. before the most, pre- the most recent one, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, but I just basically came back for, like, work. And my, my work days have been pretty awesome out here. So. Welcome back to the Badger's Nerd podcast. Badger's Nerd podcast. <laughs> yeah, but I did come back for work, and I thought Wells. Yeah. Welcome back, Eric. Uh, Jeez. Oh yeah, Emma was here. Yeah, I, I saw Emma. that. Yeah, Emma was here. I think she's yeah. my favorite. Yeah, her family is pretty ruthless. Yeah, it's so weird. See her? I've never seen Emma. I thought yeah. She's a cool whale. I've seen uh Luis. Luis showed up in her daughter. Uh, showed up so, in Santa Barbara, but that's it was, about it. It was oh, crazy because cool. we, we actually found him because Danny was driving. And we see gray whales rolling around. We're like, oh, cool. You know, we might get some, you know, baby making here. But then <laughs> they're rolling around. And we thought it was like, you know, baby making. But then literally like right next to them, boom, like dorsal fins pop up. We're like, oh. So they were like doing like invasive, you know, evasive maneuvers or something like that. And then. Wow. Yeah. Was there a, you said there was a calf in there? It's that last one. Yeah. It's, it's nice and healthy now, you know. And. It was mainly the ones that we stuck with was uh, Emma, her boy. What's his name? Gabe, Greg, or something like that. Gabe, what? Liner? <laughs> no, not Liner. Not the adopted one. The other oh. one. The, the one that's actually, yeah. But, oh, yeah, I don't know. Emma and the boy and then the the, little, the new calf. Yeah, we're just right there, right with the calf where they were just kind of like messing with. We I guess we got there right as they got done, you know, messing with those gray whales. And then they, they took off and I guess Liner and... Uh, and someone else, there was another pod around, yeah, that eventually uh, people got to see, too. So that's going on here in the Monterey Bay. That's freaking sweet. Yeah. Well, I had some nutty trips yeah. since the last time we talked about <clears throat> sightings. Um, I think the most memorable one was actually a couple weeks ago. We had a, we had like a group of five humpbacks interacting with like four to six bottlenose dolphins. Uh-huh. And by the end of the like most of the encounter, we were like, "What is going on here?" Like the dolphins and the whales were all weaving in and out of each other. They were like going back and forth under the boat and stuff. And finally, at the end, the dolphins kind of like peeled off from the whales, and the whales started like doing competition group behavior. So I think what mm-hmm. happened is these dolphins just like went in and like interrupted a competition group. They're like, "Hee hee, we're gonna mess with them." The whales didn't really know what to do. <laughs> and then, like, then it was just, like, this dolphin and whale social thing. And when what the dolphins the... left, the whales tried to get back to what they were doing. What did the dolphins say again? What did they? No. But the coolest part was when the dolphins left and the whales started their competition behavior again. We had the boat shut off. And one whale, like, dove and, like, slapped its tail really hard on its way down. It was, like, really wild looking. It was, like, back and forth, like, three or four times, like, wiggling its fluke as it dove. And then the other whale, like, head lunged after it and then dove. And it made such a big wake that it pushed our boat away. 
Oh, jeez. Wow. Nuts. Do you have footage? Yeah, I have a video of it. You really? Yeah. It was nice. so Put cool. it in the chat. Put yeah. it in the chat. Hopefully the you chat included audio where the dolphin goes, hee-hee. No, this is after the dolphins oh, did darn. the hee-hee. How But yeah, that was... That was like one of the craziest encounters. The rest of it's been like your standard super cute baby whales. Um, I want to see a baby whale. Yeah. You, you come up here, you might see one get turtles. eaten. Yeah, it's about to, to be that time of year. I want to see that. I've never <laughs> seen that. And then, yeah. It's been pretty good. The weather's been I pretty have... wild. Cool. I have a, I have a non-sighting sighting. Your weasel? <laughs> The weasel? No, we talked about the weasel. Yeah, let me say we already uh, talked about it. No, but um, <laughs> yesterday we were all working in the yard. What was I doing? What was I doing yesterday? Sanding. It's all, it's all just it's all just blended into one. Pa- painting, like one, sanding, one crying, pit of, one fiber of sadness. But um, <laughs> Dave got a call at some point and he was like, "Hey, I, I got to go check on a whale." And I was like, "What?" And he's like, "Yeah, there's like a baby gray whale in the Channel Islands Harbor, just by itself." Oh. Um, so I didn't see it, but he said that there's literally like, it was like a, it wasn't a newborn newborn, but it was definitely this year's calf just in the Harbor by itself. And it was feeding, like it like had learned how to feed. Like, I don't, I think, I think it was like too young for like mom to teach it. I don't know. It was like really young though, but he was just sitting there like five feet from the rocks, just like chilling and like eating. And so he went back out there today to find him and he wasn't there. So do you think it was maybe last year's calf? No, it was this year's calf. Well, like, it was that young. We can figure this out quite easily. Did it have barnacles? No barnacles. Hmm. Zero barnacles. That's I'll send you guys weird. pictures. But it was really okay. interesting. Um, just the fact that you know it was by itself was kind of alarming, but it looked good. It had a good you know body weight on it, um, and it was it was literally feeding in the mud, which is uh, pretty cool. In the harbor, huh? In the harbor. Yep, right in the hmm. mouth of the harbor. Should go down there. At least, was, yeah. at least it was scooping the mud. We don't know how much it was actually eating, yeah, but it was exactly. trying. We don't know what was in there, but that's interesting. I mean, a couple of years ago when I went to Baja, um, and this was at the beginning of like those really thin whales starting to show up. Mm-hmm. Um, the naturalists and boat captains said that they had seen whales trying to feed in the lagoons. Yeah. So like. Maybe well, baby not, whales are learning anything. Yeah, they they weren't confident that they were getting anything, but they were they you know they're starving and they were trying to eat. Gotcha. So maybe the baby whales are learning that behavior earlier than earlier. anyone realizes. Or Definitely. maybe that's a symptom of there not being enough food, and like maybe mom was starving, so she was doing that in the lagoons, and so the calves yeah. like trying to do it too. Exactly. I don't know, but. It's, it was interesting, and it's also a good lesson to be like, you know, like Dave got like a bunch of calls, and everybody was really worried. But it's like, you know, with a situation like that, like how, like there's nothing to do. Like you're not gonna like get it, get a team out there. If you like, Dave said it no, best. Sea World like, tried it. It didn't. Well, he was like almost was like, didn't go I, well. He was like, if I have a thousand of the best, you know, trained people in the world sitting here right now, like we're not gonna do anything. We're not gonna, we're not gonna take this whale and go try to find its mom, or you know, just try to. You know, do it. You can't really do anything in that situation. You just kind of gotta let nature take its course and just see what happens. 
but that's a good learning lesson, I think. Yeah. Yeah, you're gonna. Um, pro- that's probably not gonna be the last of it. You're probably gonna see a lot of little. Probably guys, not. And it's also skinny just, guys. Yeah, doing you know, that. People, people should know who to call. You know, if you're in California, for the most part, you call one eight seven seven S O S W H A L. That's a great whale hotline. Mm-hmm. Um, if you see a whale in distress, or you see an entangled whale, or anything like that, so just keep an eye out for that, and you can look that up online and find a bunch of different local places that you can call to uh to help yeah. out. Yeah, especially if you know how to recognize, like, an underweight whale that's, like, obviously in poor health. I think it is still helpful to call into the uh, NOAA hotline. Like, here in the Hawaiian Islands this season, we've seen um, some really poor body condition whales. And Pack Whale has served as kind of a hub for that information gathering. But they're sharing it directly with, like, the NOAA and Sanctuary folks that are out here. Um, And so, like, if our vessel site you know, poor body condition whales, starving whales, we call the research office from the water. Like we just call directly the cell phone and report it. Cause it is something that the more reports they have that are reliable from folks that are trained to know what to look for, the better sense of what's going on that the management can have. You guys have the advantage in Maui because you got the God of whale disentanglement and rescue. (laughs) Do you have a crush on Ed Lyman? Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's no <laughs> just really cool. He is cool. Yeah, yeah. My, phone's about, my phone's about to die. Uh, but Marilia <laughs> reached out to me. You yeah, know Marilia, tell us, tell us, Eric? Yeah. yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> she sent me some photos of southern right uh, whale dolphins. So jealous. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh. She said she got to see them on the coast of Chile on my way to Antarctica. <laughs> so cool. Let's and get her uh, on here. She's listening to, she said she's re-listening to our podcast. Yeah, I want to that. write to you guys so many things about sightings, LOL. Um, she said, I'm on board right now. The internet is crap, but I'll send to you my video of false killer whales bow riding and vocalizing. Oh, nice. Ooh. And then she also had a Valella Valella moving itself on the sand. <laughs> oh, like crawling around. Yeah. That's so cool. We should actually do that. Once you get somewhere with a strong signal, um, we should probably. Which might she, not be for a while. I know. She, she saw the Antarctic every year. She saw those southern right whale dolphins, and then she said, "I asked her if she's seen the big blues, and yeah, she's got to see the big blues over there in Chile." So, oh, I do that she's got. So bad. She's ha- she has worked everywhere, so she's got stuff to talk about. Yeah. 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 We should get her on there when she has when she's back on land for a little bit, which is not very often. But yeah, you know, the ship internet is not that great. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, and something else, I think we know. I don't know if we ever talked about. Have you guys heard of the Rice's Whale? Yeah. Yeah, we talked about it last episode briefly. Last episode? Yeah, I remember. You, you were there. Oh. You, were, you were there. Yeah, you <laughs> were there. <laughs> you were there, bro. I think there's less than 100. I'm, I'm so confused. I, yeah, I read it earlier. I heard, like, potentially less than 125 was the number yeah. I heard. Well, it's pretty it, low. Yeah. It was, this happened in January, but uh, another article came out, like, uh, a week ago or something, or the 9th yeah. of February. Yeah, they basically, they used to think they were Brutus whales, and then they finally got enough samples to determine that they actually are a different species. Yeah, there's some uh, some bones up in the skull that is different. Yeah, but they still have the rostral ridges like a Brutus whale. Uh, they, made, they made a bad thing into a good thing. It's that I think it's that whale that washed up in the Everglades, and then they, they took advantage of it. Because they always knew yeah. there's this weird, I don't forgot, the, keep on forgetting the name, the paper probably talks about it. They concentrate like in this little 
in the uh, eastern part of Gulf, there's like a canyon or ridge or something or ledge or something like that that they hang out at. So and it really is, yeah, uh, just literally a handful of them. Isn't that yeah. crazy? You can you can find a species and then also find out it's critically endangered the second you discover it. Like that's yep. crazy. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of stuff. Yeah, it's almost it's almost too late. Well, and with no baseline data, it's also really difficult to like know like what how many were there like especially if you only have two or three genetic samples from the 125 that you potentially think are left like mm -hmm. it's going to be hard to extrapolate the the diversity guess what it had did you see what it had board. inside of it what? what it had during the examination biologists noticed that the whales underweight and had a hard piece of plastic and they showed a approximately three inches by two inches in its stomach mm. awesome that's awesome. They show a picture of the plastic. So that was actually a oh. year ago that this happened, though. Just, yeah, it took them that long to do the analysis and determine it was a different species. They just did the science more recently. Science yeah. takes a they, while. Yeah, It's almost like if that one didn't wash up, yeah, they wouldn't be able to have done that. Yeah, yeah they would still be calling them Brutus whales. and they, they, I mean, they think they still were... I don't have... I don't know for sure, but I think they were still... Labeling those Brutus whales as yeah. in peril. Yeah. Before and now they're just a different species. Yeah. yeah. Imagine we saw one here and everybody's been like, "This is Brutus whale." They just call it Brutus whale every time they see one in SoCal, but no, it'd be a hybrid. Yeah. Yeah, people can ID things. It's a hybrid. <laughs> My pet peeve. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So before we get into um, all of our news. Good news. I, I do have a couple announcements um, from Pacific Whale Foundation since, you know, I work there right now. <laughs> um, so normally we do a kids whale watch program. It's called a Kiki Whale Watch program for the kids in the islands around Maui, Maui County. This year, because of the pandemic, um, our education team has like done a complete shift and now offers the program virtually. Um, and so they... They have some live sessions, but they also have some recorded information that goes into like an hour long uh, program virtually. And it's $50 for the classroom program for up to 70 students. And they're actually offering it to schools on the mainland, not just here in Maui County. So in Maui County, um, which I'm hoping all the schools already have this information because we've done a lot of connecting with schools over the years and we have a big list of contacts, but Maui County Schools, the program's free. On the mainland, the program is $50, and this is the first time we've ever offered kids programming to kids on the mainland, like, outside of Ocean Camp that they could sign up for on school break. So that's pretty cool, pretty exciting. For those of you that listen that have kids, maybe that's something your classroom is interested in doing for at some point before the year's over. Um, and you can book it all through pacificwhale.org slash education. There's all the different program options on there. You just click on the Kiki Whale Watch one. Are you so going to be doing them? Um, no, our education team is doing them all. Darn. Uh, yeah. Darn. I wanted to meet I got Caitlin. To do them. I got to do them in person last year, though. That was super fun. That's awesome. So I got to go to uh, both of our inhabited neighbor islands of Lanai and Molokai, which is really cool. Um, and the, like, especially the little kids, they, like, it was rough some of the days that we went. And so the boat was, like, rolling and on the bow they're all just up there like ah, 
just like screaming like it's a roller coaster. They didn't even care about the whales. They just thought the boat was fun. <laughs> <laughs> but that was, was pretty cute. Ever. This is also true. Or they're in the galley eating like fruit by the foot and ring pop. Yeah, we didn't serve <laughs> them snacks on the trip on purpose because of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but also like because they'd all be eating snacks instead of watching the whales. And it's only an hour and 15 minute trip, so they could eat snacks on the bus afterwards. Oh, that's true. <laughs> um, the other announcement I have from Pacific Whale Foundation is our normal Festival of Whales, which takes place all month in February in person on Maui, um, is also virtual. And a lot of the programming is free. There's a few things that um, I think are a donation to the foundation, but it's all on MauiWhaleFestival.org. So there's a film festival. There are some live webinar things going on with our conservation department, our education department, our research department. And there's also like a virtual uh, run slash walk. So if you're into that kind of thing, you can like, I think you like just log your miles and then upload it. And so there's other ways to participate. So and Whales Tales is this weekend. I don't know if this episode will come out before the weekend, but Whale Tales is virtual this weekend. And if you signed up, you get uh, recorded versions of everything if you can't attend the live event. Oh, so. darn. Okay. Yeah. I didn't sign up because I have to work, but now that I... You can still sign up? I'm sure you can still sign up. Yeah. yeah. There you go. If I get recorded awesome. recorded versions. Oh, did you guys already talk about... Did any of you listen to the ACS conference, or did I miss all that? I had to work, so I didn't listen to it, but I got an email saying that they will have recordings available on their website soon. Yeah. It, maybe I should wait for after you listen to it or you guys listen to it, but it was pretty funny. The funniest part, it doesn't really have to do with like a fun fact or anything, but uh, one of the girls was doing a thing on humpback acoustics and stuff like that, and her audio, for some reason, she couldn't play the audio that she had to present. So she was doing all the sounds herself. It was so awesome. Really? Yeah. That's so funny. <laughs> and wow. she was, it was really good because she was really good at it. She wasn't shy about it. And it was awesome. But, Do you yeah. remember who it was? Um, I think her name was Michelle. Michelle Fournier. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. yeah. <laughs> she is awesome. And unfortunately, her, yeah, she had internet problems. But, oh, yeah, shout out to her. And that was – she made it, like – it was really informative, and that was just hilarious. You know, it just made it more entertaining. Yeah. Yeah, she's been working with Alaska humpbacks, right? Yeah, yeah, that was good stuff. <laughs> awesome. I'll have to listen to it just for that. Yeah, you gotta listen to it just for that part. It should be available on ACS Online. Is it .org? ACS Online .org, I think, I is the main website. It'll yeah. be on the conferences tab. Okay. Um, but I don't know. They didn't have a timeline for when it's going to be available, but just kind of keep an eye on that. And if one of us finds it, we'll share it on the podcast, okay. obviously. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. It was, yeah, nine to five. They should have make the breaks longer. They like run to go to the bathroom and snacks, but it was fun. <laughs> cool. I'm glad you got to watch it. Okay. Are we ready Slater. to talk? Slater raised his hand. Oh, I was just stretching, <laughs> but also I, I kind of want to see some turtles in Maui. Are you going? We have them. Let's go. Go. Do you want me to send you a picture? No, send me a freaking private plane. Did you see the <laughs> ticket prices? Do it. Are they cheap? Yeah, let me see if I saved it. I was I looked the other day and it was like... Um, well, you just have to remember that you have to calculate the price of a COVID test. Yeah, that's that. the thing is it's 150 bucks to get the test. Actually, it's free. Want to kick back what? in Maui? Oh, yeah, I do. Are you serious? 
series? Uh-huh. Out of Long Beach, wow. So, yeah, and you guys are down, down there. Yeah, so... Fargo, I, Long Beach to Maui, 100 bucks. Yeah. No way. All right, you guys, I actually got to go. I have to pack, so uh, I'll see you on the next episode. <laughs> well, you got to go get a COVID test, too. <laughs> yeah, well, my COVID Dude, test, later. I'm doing the 24-hour do one it. at Rite Aid tonight. <laughs> it has to be on the approved list. It is. Don't tell me what's approved and not, Caitlin. <laughs> well, I don't want you to get here and then be stuck in quarantine. Oh, no. Stuck in that way. Oh, no. Yeah, but you can't go outside. You want to see turtles. They're not going to be oh. in your hotel. I think you can find me out in the water when I'm swimming turtles with a snorkel. <laughs> They'll find you. <laughs> Wait. Let's go. How come when I look here, it says $500? Are you that? searching for tomorrow? <laughs> Wait, what website are you on, Eric? Sorry, I just uh, got to say. My sister photo. sent it to me. This is, uh, this is so off topic. Um <laughs> No, it's not. There's whales in Maui. <laughs> I don't know what company this is. It's oh, fake. Hit it with the whale news, Caitlin. Okay, let's uh, let's let's do some whale news. So, um, this is a little <laughs> bit more of an old um, piece of information. This document came out. Let's see, what was the start date? Old news. November of 2020. So. Uh, Stellwagen Bank National Marine Sanctuary, which the main office is in Boston, Massachusetts. Boston. Um, Boston. That's this is where I work. Chowder. Chowder. <laughs> you chowder head. Be quiet. <laughs> um, so where I worked. Uh, Jay, it's a baby whales. whale. <laughs> yeah, that's what they really should have done the sanctuary report on. <laughs> um that's where I worked with whales this summer out of Gloucester and um, they did a summary <laughs> review and like survey program of whale watch passengers that were going out on Stellwagen Bank National Marine Sanctuary for their tours so they did a collaborative effort with a bunch of um, whale watch operators and they surveyed their passengers on their way back in from viewing whales like while on the boat they had a surveyor and then um, they emailed follow-up surveys to those passengers as well. And the data was collected in uh, 2018 and 2019. And then they compiled this big report trying to get at when people are traveling to an area to go whale watching, how much do they put into the local economy? A lot. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Very important it is, stat. Yeah, it is a lot. Um, and so they... <clears throat> They break down all the different things like demographics. Did people even know they were in a national marine sanctuary? Like what was a priority uh, for them to see? What kind of animals did they like the best? And so um, it also is going to be, a, I think, a useful tool for those companies to look at like what their customers thought were a priority offered by the tour, rater, uh, tour operator, but also like what people were interested in seeing. So you can maybe manage expectations. Um yeah. Because, like, when you look at the animal likability scale, like, the top thing is dolphins. Well, <laughs> was I mean, it really? Yeah. Like, the animals that the pe- people like the best was dolphins. And so, like, we only see dolphins like 15 to 20% of our trips. So, how do you manage that expectation knowing that that's like what people want to see? Right. Um, so, it was like dolphins, humpback whales, sea turtles, North Atlantic right whales, seals, minke whales, fin whales, say whales, ocean sunfish, basking sharks, and then, uh, Shearwaters, other seabirds, northern gannets, sharks, and seagulls. People hated seagulls, basically. Sea turtles? Have you seen one, Caitlin? Over you know there? what, Eric? I swim with sea turtles, so be quiet. But over there, have you seen I a letterback over there? We said we weren't going to talk about it. We weren't going to talk about it. 
I heard the engine room is a really bad place to look for letterbacks. Did I miss something? Did I miss something? I don't want to talk about it. Don't kids watch this? Oh, I missed something. <laughs> okay. So, well, you missed, no, you remember missed Adam. Adam dropping the F word on the last episode. <laughs> hey, man. <laughs> Freaking regulations make me, got me peeved. <laughs> okay, anyways. Anyways. So then the... the other things that influenced mm-hmm. people on deciding who to go whale watching with, they looked at a bunch of different things that was advertised by a tour company that someone was like seeking out. Um, so the most important thing was that the operation was targeting animals that I wanted to see, mm. AKA the company said they saw whales. <laughs> um, but then like the next things in the priority list was like, they had tours at the time of day I wanted to go. The amount of time for the trip met the requirements that I was interested in the size and speed of the vessel. The company's recognized for sustainable operations or conservation efforts the ticket price, the boat prohibited smoking. Um, there was parking nearby. Um, I preferred or liked the company's website, like visually. Um, I had a coupon or other discount. I saw an advertisement online. I, revi- I relied on customer reviews on Yelp, TripAdvisor, or other review sources. The operation was near my hotel. I relied on a recommendation from family and friends. The operation was near my house. Um, a bunch of different places that they saw. Advertisements were all listed off in a row. Um, I recognized or researched the whale sense program. Mm. Um, I used a travel agent and then like the lowest priority was people actually did look for boats that permitted smoking on board, which is wild over in Massachusetts. Like some boats do allow it. I would never fly in California. What about the operator doesn't have any MMPA violations? Um, <laughs> I think that goes along with uh, whale sense <laughs> and sustainable fair. operations and conservation efforts. Uh, wear a bulletproof vest to work later. Can you stop that. I love that you slide that in whenever you can. Every chance he gets. Every chance. Um, so then they also looked at like household comp- um, composition. Like were they single adults with no children? Were they pairs of adults with children? Like that kind of thing. Like they asked the questions of the person that purchased the tickets, but then like asked like, what kind of group are you here with? That kind of thing. And they also actually asked people to recognize their household income category. <clears throat> and so a couple takeaways that I got out of this is that your main whale watch passengers are white affluent adults. So the average income category was, or the highest income category of people that were on the boat whale watching was people that made a hundred to one hundred and forty nine thousand dollars a year, like their household. Wow. So, conservation minded and education minded, that maybe needs to be something to address to get a broader audience of people on whale watch vessels. I mean, it is a money making business, but like at the same time, if you are a conservation minded organization, like. Every person that lives on this planet needs to participate in, like, advocating and protecting our oceans, right? And so, like, if you are only targeting rich white people, like, you're not going to get to your goal. Yeah, it's hard. So, That's why, yeah, reaching out and using different techniques to reach out to people and make it available for them is, is the hardest part. Because it, yeah. it seems like the people who really love the whales and want to learn about the whales literally can't can't make it out here. You know, we got mm-hmm. kids midwest and stuff like that and it's expensive yeah. like 50 bucks a head to go on a trip like when you're trying to weigh that against 
yeah. a free trip to the beach or, uh, you know, like it's an expensive activity. Um, and at the end of the day, like these businesses do have to make money. Um, but is it, it's a, maybe an opportunity to reflect on how to better reach people or facilitate that experience for people. Yeah. So. Because those young, younger people who want to be out here, they're the ones that are going to make the difference, you know. Uh, yeah. the, that whale that you guys spot on that boat is going to be what changes that kid or sets them for life and keeps them on the right track and hopefully become like someone like the next John Kalamikidis or someone like that. Yeah, well, and on Stellwagen Bank especially, they know their whales, like, by name. And they know who their mom is. And if it's a female, they know how many babies they've had. They know the names of the babies. And so, like, pretty much every naturalist I've ever run across on all the different operations can make that personal connection to a whale with the passengers. And, like, passengers will come back and be like, oh, have you seen uh, salt this year? Or, oh, have you seen colt For this sure. year? Or whatever. Like, this, that's my favorite whale. Um so this place in particular, being able to make that connection to a broader audience of people, I think is like something that should be a, a goal that companies should be working towards if they really want to spread their conservation messaging as far as they can, you know? So that was kind of interesting. That was my, some of my takeaways. Um, but the final result of how much money are people spending when they come to to the area is like 120 million dollars a year goes yeah. into the local economy surrounding Stellwagen Bank wow. National Marine Sanctuary yeah. on a normal think, travel year. I think the last conference me and you went to remember didn't you go back to Southern California with me? Someone had a similar talk about this in uh, worldwide. I mean it was in the billions. Yeah. Yeah, well yeah. watching as a global industry is a bil- yeah. in the billions of dollars. Yeah, this is 120 million for the local economy on the shoreline um, of Massachusetts. That's pretty awesome. And it's like, uh, I think they had the number of jobs as well. Uh, let me see if I can find it. So the direct, oh, okay. Um, let me let me back up. So the total economic contributions to the United States from total trip spending. In direct employment, labor income is $120 million. So they're providing like $120 million worth of wages for people. The total money that they spent overall is like almost $260 million in the local economy. Yeah, it helps out so much. I mean, if you think about like, I mean, look at even for like the advanced people, like if like you look at like the Slaters and the Adams, I mean, they go like say they need new camera equipment. I mean, think about all that. That's like thousands yeah. from an individual right there, you know. Yep. Yeah, we're yep. just talking about that. Camera equipment is so expensive. But I mean, I, I remember a while back we all talked. I don't know if we talked about it, but the just the price of a whale. Like, I'm sure that they mm-hmm. somebody this had report said or mm-hmm. report on that. Yeah, they're, the number they used, which was from a more recent report that came out broadly looking at the uh, like the global value, is like one living whale's worth two million dollars. Exactly. Basically. So yeah. So like, no matter no matter what way you look at it, like when you look at a, a global scale, you know, a macro scale, a micro scale, whatever, like whale watching. If you just want to look at it a pure economic standpoint, like it brings in a lot of money, and whether that be, 
you know, just local or just to the company. Um, I, I feel like that money can definitely be used for conservation, even if even if the company doesn't provide that like in a, in the tour in that sense. You know, like I feel like it's also important for companies to turn around and to invest in their local community, whether that be like beach cleanups, whether that be supporting local research groups or the other the uh, rescue groups. You know, there's so many opportunities in this field to invest in conservation and sustainability and all that. Um, well, and, and like you know, we, we, reinvest right. in their operation too. You know, if that means exactly their vessel or that's yeah, that's exact binoculars and cameras and yeah, yeah, notepads exactly. and whatever sunglasses, and you know, and jackets are bought just because of whale watching. Yeah, for sure. And that's yeah, you know the, we're doing the same thing right now. Like we're putting the our four new engines in our boat because we want to you know, be sustainable. We, we could, yeah. we could have waited, waited off to 2024 for those tier two engines, but no, like we wanted to, to upgrade them now and, you know, try to be as sustainable or as efficient as possible. Did it yeah. even count? I wonder if they even count like uh, those of us who are like already in the industry. I mean, we put a lot into ourselves, like literally today, yeah. you know, that would be another, yeah. New headsets for our, our, you know, our wireless mic system, you know, that was all mean and, you know, polarized glasses i need a new ones again you know it's yeah fresh. dude i gotta yeah. buy those things every freaking like two months i just got these yeah. new maui gyms they're so nice <laughs> i've never had maui gyms before they're awesome oh, are God, we are you trying like, to get they're, sponsorship <laughs> dude, they're so light they're like a feather i don't even feel them on my face he's trying to get a sponsor oh my god and maui, Adam. in that case maui, my costumes were maui gym sponsor me Costa sponsor me <laughs> after his patagonia plug yeah. last episode Okay. Yeah, we're gonna start charging you, Adam. <laughs> we're taking it out of your cut, Adam. Yeah, that's all right. Um, yeah, so the categories that like they looked at for like where the economic contributions were was like whale watching tours, other wildlife tours, sailing charters, sunset cruises, land-based sightseeing, um, admission to amusement festivals and other attractions. These are all activities they did outside of the one whale watch trip that they were surveyed on. Uh, yeah. rental fee for recreation equipment guided tour services motion picture tickets for motion pictures theaters music performances concerts wine tours hotels bed and breakfasts cabins cottages condos food bought at grocery stores food bought at bars and restaurants food and drinks bought on the tour vessel um, car rentals gas uh, parking fees taxis ferries trains buses airline camera equipment and supplies Footwear, awesome, binoculars, clothing, awesome sunblock, tape. souvenirs, all kinds of stuff. So, um, yeah, so I think that's a really cool, I, I'm, uh, that's exciting to see that the sanctuary did that for Stellwagen Bank because I think that's a really um, interesting topic and area where you should have an assessment done for your sanctuary that sure. I haven't seen happen anywhere else. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And they're just concentrating on that little tiny area, huh? Yeah, they're only that was only for Stellwagen Bank. Not and the it was entire only state. for operators departing out of Massachusetts. Because the operators that depart out of like New Hampshire mm -hmm. or um, south of Provincetown, like they don't use the sanctuary waters for every tour. Some of the New Hampshire boats do, but okay. um, not every trip. And so they were trying to target vessels that like almost every trip enter the sanctuary waters because it's actually completely offshore. It's not like Monterey where as soon as you leave the harbor, you're in the sanctuary. Mm. So, yeah. Uh, it'd be interesting. There's so many other places around the world that you could totally, that you could do that and, and see the economic impact of, 
of whale watching or ecotourism. Obviously, like Monterey, Washington, you can even do it in Santa Barbara. We, you know, we're in the national park for the Channel Islands pretty often. So, yeah, there's a guy in Monterey called um, named Jason Scorzi, and his work is called like uh, he does work around the blue economy. So, like when there was the forage fish debate and the the potential lawsuit coming from uh, towards National Marine Fisheries Service because NIMS hadn't done uh, updated assessment on the anchovy population. They'd only been monitoring sardines and there was competition between fishermen and whales and they were using data from like 1997, but there was an updated paper, blah, blah, blah. Um, Jason Scorzi was enlisted to help facilitate some of the conversations because a lot of people are saying, well, if you leave the fish in the water, there's going to be more ecotourism versus if you take the fish out of the water, those fish don't even stay in our local food system. They get shipped overseas. So when you look at the dollars, the fish are worth more alive <laughs> or not fit. Well, not necessarily alive. They, they're worth more when they're eaten by whales and birds and sea lions than when they're fished. <laughs> <laughs> so it's so interesting. Like, I feel like that concept kind of can be paralleled to the, the concept we talked about a, a couple episodes ago with the uh, whales and, um, you know, their effect on like rainforest and stuff. Like you just never think yeah. about yeah. what the oceans can provide for the land or for people or, you know, for different animals. Yeah. Like it's just so interesting. Yeah. So, um, and that's the kind of stuff that I think is really exciting. Um, I actually, would like to see more work like this not necessarily always on the economics but like also trying to measure like okay so you have this many people making this financial contribution is this also turning into an effective conservation messaging like how long does the tour leave an impact on that person like when it comes down to consumer choices and things like that like are people really not buying mylar balloons after they see you gaff one and pick it up out of the water that's a great question i would love to know that answer that'd be that's that's another study somebody has to do yeah cool. speaking of mylar balloons i saw the worst oxymoron of a mylar balloon the other day i went to the grocery store and a man walked out with a sea turtle shaped mylar balloon and i was like <laughs> that is the worst thing i've ever seen you should take a picture Wow. I was going well. I walked around the store to see if there was another one inflated because I was going to take a picture, but I didn't want to take a picture of a random dude while I was walking through the parking lot. I feel like that'd be a little weird. I'm surprised that they're not banned in the whole. You know what? It's kind of ironic that they make balloon animals. Yeah. <laughs> Especially turtle shape. Yeah. Like Before we, I, uh... not the turtle, but you know, like where they like at like Applebee's, you know, when they yeah. Oh, yeah. see yeah. and make it. Applebee's. Like... Applebee's. <laughs> Dude, <sighs> like, here's all the animals so we can bad. make that we've also killed with these same balloons. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we can't make it. it oh, can't speaking balloons. of that, guys, yeah, we should Valentine's Day, so yeah, we're gonna be on balloon watch. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. True. Tis the season. To I don't know. A lot of people are gonna out of, out of, A lot of people. Well, I guess they'll want something for a gift, but yeah, less people are gonna be doing stuff this year, right? Yeah. So. I hope. <laughs> Valentine's yeah. Day. Graduation. I'm going to club, so we'll be dancing. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Jeez Louise. Not in the, not in the pandemic. Right? Oh, well, so you guys know that I got sick, right? 
Yes. And, and had COVID. Well, Margot's dad got it, and he got it pretty bad. He, he like, it didn't show up till way later, and uh, he lost, he, I lost my taste and smell for, like, a day or two. I had no smell, but he lost it. That was the first thing that happened to him. Then he had the fever of 102 for, like, four days. Wow. So that was pretty crazy. Wow. But yeah, stay inside because it's still not okay. Yeah. Thank you for that. And I'm sorry that you guys had got it past your know, house. I didn't even know you had it. I thought you just got sick. Dude, I got it on the episode with Sarah and Jeff that night. I like oh, couldn't go to sleep think, and I was all restless and then I got a fever. I hundred percent. You think they what? transferred it to you through the mic? Oh God! Oh my goodness, you guys! <laughs> no, like, I I got it from going to Margo's dad's house to help him shoot photos of something, and then, or he got it from I probably got it from me. I mean, I don't know who knows, but some, yeah, some yeah, exactly. Who yeah. knows? But still. So be yeah. careful. Well, Wear your mask. We're glad you're safe. Yep. Wear your mask. Yeah, I'm glad he's doing better because he got. I, I had it. It was, I got like a headache, and then I was had a sore back, and that was it, and it was gone in like four days, five days. Oh, speaking of that, um, Caitlin, did you get this? So the Coast Guard made it absolutely, totally yes. super mandatory. Yeah. Yep. It's a for federal us, regulation. Us boat people need to have our mask on no matter what. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we have, right. um, I haven't seen the attached document from the Coast Guard, but we got a message at staff at, at, staff okay. at Pacific Whale Foundation saying I'll that it it's now, you. yeah, it's now a federal mandate um, from the U.S. Coast Guard, which, to be honest. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's um, official now. Yeah, so to be honest, like... It took that long? <laughs> That's what I thought, well, it's right? A, it's a government, right? Like, nothing moves fast. Um, but it's more. it makes people take it more seriously. Like, which in the Hawaiian Islands, like, to me, that's a big deal. Like, you have to be so protective of this place. Like, it's such a fragile location. Like, we only have one proper hospital for three islands in Maui County. Like, Lanai'i and Molokai'i have, like, hospital clinic type things but like if you need to be in the icu and be on a ventilator you have to be medevaced to maui and maui has one hospital with like 30 icu beds that's it Hmm. like and we don't even have ventilators for every icu bed so if there's an outbreak uh, here like it's gonna be a big deal well uh i guess there goes our maui plans let's not do that (laughs) Yeah, I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna travel, just like be very conscientious of it. You know, like if you can wait, then maybe just wait. But if you're here and you're not wearing your mask, like to me, it's really it's really disrespectful to the people that live here. Like, and not even necessarily to people like like me, but like to our local native locals that live here. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Just wait, everyone. Yeah. Now the Coast Guard can say this is a yeah. federal like federal. the captain can say the Coast Guard told me this is a federal mandate. I have to make you yeah. abide by or we it's, will turn this boat should, around. I just sent it to you. It straight out says any passenger that refuses to take them back to land. <laughs> yeah, which yeah. we have. We have had incidences like that in Hawaii. Yeah, we've, we've, like, we've threatened it before, too. Yeah, yeah we now have, it's Coast Guard. Yeah. yeah, I've heard stories of like people being denied entry to the vessel like. You're not going to wear your mask during the boarding process. You can go get a refund. Like, see ya. That's a, that's what we say. To, we when we always do a, a talk at the top of the ramp and just tell everybody our COVID safety protocols. And we have a paper that says that you have to sign to get on the boat that says you will comply with all of our protocols, which maybe you guys might want to think of or, or look into. And then once they sign that, it's like, hey, you signed the paper. If you're not complying now, like, see ya. Like, we can turn this boat around. And you will yeah. you will look – 
you will look at everybody else in this boat and they will look at you in shame because you ruined their trip. Shame. Yeah. Well, yeah, it gets I, to the point, like in Newport, when I was working with them for a small time this summer, it was like, you kind of just had to be rude. Like, yeah, in your opening you speech, you just be like, you have to wear masks the entire time on the boat, and we do too. And we have to do it from the morning until the end of the day where you guys get exactly. to go home after this. So, like, just please keep it on. It's like, and don't buy a sucker just so you could, like, have your mask down. Or, you know what I mean? Yep. People do that. Like, yeah. Or they'll hold a drink in their hand yeah. the whole time. Yeah. I love yeah. it. It straight out says right here, at the earliest opportunity, disembarking any person who refuses to comply. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, it's, it's yeah. right there. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. So, if you are going on boats, like, where we literally can't mess around with it at all um because you don't want to mess with the coast guard yeah that's what we say uh, and like, you don't want to keep it on just go ahead and turn around and walk back in the office and they'll refund you right now that's what we say yep. <laughs> yeah yeah so and yeah like your crew has to wear them like on saturday i'm gonna work like 16 <coughs> hours i have to wear my mask for 16 hours like exactly like nobody wants to do it but like we have yeah. to do it to be safe yeah. and to be responsible as well yeah yeah, we want to have exactly. a job too. That's why. We're yeah, doing. I like my job. We have to. So. We have to. Yeah. Have you guys? We're seen lucky. We're lucky. Mass tan. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so you're so bad. Well, I've been Dude, working on better boats. So I don't have anyone. Mine's worse for me. That's what I was explaining to someone. It was like, even if you don't like the mask, it's like. Dude, these people want to keep their job. It's oh, not about. Yeah. It's funny. Like if you don't, if you don't want to look at it that perspective, look at it like they still gonna keep working. Yeah, yeah, we're really privileged yeah. to actually able to take people out. Right I'm now. extremely yeah. surprised that we're still able to, but yeah, yeah. Was. <sighs> better days. I hope are ahead because you know the mask messaging and requirements is getting more serious and strict, and people are getting vaccinated. Hopefully, people get vaccinated quick enough that we only have to do this once. Yeah, that's my take on it. Me yeah. too. I agree. Science. Science. Yeah. Science. Oh, um, okay, are you ready to hear our next whale news thing? Is it happy news? Um, uh, it's interesting news. Interesting, okay. yeah. <laughs> it's so. Remember, um, a while ago, we were talking about those killer whales that were attacking boats in the Canary Islands. Yeah. So on yeah. February first, it happened again. Um, but this guy that was operating the vessel kind of had an interesting tactic to deal with it. So this is his testimony um that he shared on social media and it's translated from spanish to english so i might paraphrase a little bit just because google translate is not always the best but um saying hello i want to tell you about an experience that happened to me last thursday approximately 300 miles from lanzarote <clears throat> while traveling at about eight knots speed to the canary islands I had a visit from a group of about five orcas, very large, about seven meters in length, and then two medium animals, about six meters in length, and two smaller ones, about four meters in length. Uh, just before dawn, they started to graze the boat while I was sailing and um, push the engine and, and push the rudder and do evasive maneuvers. I noticed that they started pushing the boat, so I decided to stop and drift because I thought they would break the rudder easily underway. By stopping... They stayed a while putting, putting their head and looking at me, like telling me to get back on track because they liked the chase. Naturally, <laughs> I didn't, and then they lost interest and left. There you go. 
So um, it was awesome to have those predators, many tons in weight, and that normally eat 200 kilogram tuna snacks, <laughs> a meter yeah. from me looking at me in the eyes. Um, and I could record them at the smallest. I recorded the littlest two, and they were curious just before dawn. The chase was not recorded because it's very dark, but just hearing them breathing was very impressive. I think they're the same ones from the Coruña attacks. Bottom line is, as soon as they got closer, not trying to run away as it would be useless and just stop and enjoy the experience, they will be gone in a few minutes. What an idea! I, I think I think that encounter sheds more light on any on versus any of the other ones. Like, that, and that's it's cool that that guy is, is obviously very thoughtful and thinks that they're not like causing many harm or like he appreciates their beauty and their and their power, which is pretty cool. But. And he didn't freak out. I mean, out. yeah, just like, yeah, he didn't freak out. Yeah, and that's what, that's a trait that you should have mm. as a mariner, for sure. But, yeah. Like, yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty cool. Did he document breach onto your boat? Like, what could they possibly do? He said to bite a hole. Like, they're not going to bite a hole in the bottom of your boat. Well, it's also like, it's also like, just stop. Like, do exactly what he said. Like, if not, you're not going to outrun a, pa- a pot of killer whales. Like, And wasn't it only the two males that were actually making contact with the boats when they previously recorded all this? I think so. And they were pushing on the rudder. So yeah, the rudder. if you stop and they're not going to bump the rudder anymore, then that's the easiest way to prevent your vessel from becoming disabled. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's safer that's for the whales, that. too. That's funny. They were spy hopping next to him being like, bro, come on, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> so awesome. I thought that was interesting because we'd never heard anyone else try and just stop the boat and yeah. see what yeah. happened. So. Stop and see if they eat me. <laughs> I think everybody else was just panicked, like trying to outrun them, and the killer whales were like, "Perfect, let's go, yeah, like, let's play, baby." <laughs> so that was That's an interesting cool. update on the Canary Islands, Definitely. and he posted some good photos and videos. So uh, maybe somebody will be able to um, match them. match them with the other whales. From yeah, the other they, they knew they knew it was two big boys that were. Making the actual contact. So, this is an overcast um, day, huh? Yeah. Well, it was also early in the morning, like as the sun was coming up. So, I think let's skip the two um, lockdown articles and just briefly talk about the gray whale thing and then end it from here because we're already pretty far along. Okay. That sound good? Okay. Uh, let me open this one. So um, we have an update from the Baja Gray Whale Census from San Ignacio Lagoon. Um, and they are looking at still trying to follow up on this unusual mortality event. So before we go too far into talking about their recorded information, what is an unusual mortality event? Well, I'll tell you. <laughs> U-M-E. Um, yeah, a U-M-E, an unusual mortality event, is defined by the Marine Mammal Protection Act as a stranding event that is unexpected, involves significant die-off of any marine mammal population, and demands immediate response. There are actually seven criteria that make a mortality event unusual. And this is all available on um, NOAA's website. So uh, the first criteria is a marked increase in the magnitude or marked change in the nature of morbidity, mortality, or strandings when compared with other prior records. A temporal change in morbidity, mortality, or strandings is occurring. 
a spatial change in morbidity, mortality, and strandings is occurring. So basically saying there's a lot more than usual in a different time of year than expected in a different place than expected. This species age or sex composition of the affected animals is different than that of animals that are normally affected. So, um, you know, they're not the young and weak or the old and uh, dying of natural causes categories of whales. Um, the affected animals exhibit a similar or unusual pathologic findings, behavior patterns, clinical signs, or gen general physical condition. The potentially significant morbidity, mortality, or stranding is observed in species, stocks, or populations that are particularly vulnerable. Um, for example, a stranding of three or four right whales may be cause of great concern, whereas stranding of the similar number of fin whales may not be. And then the seventh criteria is morbidity is observed concurrent with or as part of an unexplained continual decline of a marine mammal population stock or species. So how does that relate to gray whales? Gray whales have been off the endangered species list since 1994. So just like the example with fin whales, a strand stranding of three or four gray whales within a season is not cause for concern. But we're looking at hundreds and hundreds of animals stranding during migration the last few years. And then this is also paired with really small numbers of whales in the lagoons. So the survey from San Ignacio is saying like, for example, in 2012, 2013, 2014, 2015, they had hundreds of whales in the lagoons during their mid-February survey. Like in 2012, they had 125 gray whales. In 2016, they had 224 gray whales. Even in 2018, they had 149 gray whales. But then you got to 2019, they only had 97. You get to 2020, they only had 63. You get to this year, they had 38 and only nine calves. Hmm. So in addition to the strandings, they're not seeing the whales peaking at the time that they normally do. So they're saying that the whales are late um, <clears throat> and there's less of them. And if you look at the, the Point Vicente, like anecdotal information, because they're not doing their normal full survey this because year. of COVID, yeah. they're saying that they're still seeing primarily southbound gray whales passing off their area this week with very few reports of northbound whales. And that's like a big shift later than compared to normal. So um, they said one season's turnaround in 2001 was as late as March 1st um, off Point Vicente. And that was directly following the last UME for gray whales that happened in the late 90s. Um, but compared to average from both San Ignacio and from Point Vicente, the whales are much later and so that's just more information kind of causing concern as to what, what's going on. Hmm. So, yeah. Sad it's... season again for them. Yeah. Um, so we've talked about before with the UME, we've covered this topic before, like many, many, many episodes ago. But basically mm -hmm. the leading theory is that warming oceans and shifting uh, food availability is causing the gray whales to not feed as successfully as they normally would in the summertime and then they're basically like running out of gas on the northbound migration like they didn't store enough blubber and they are not getting back to their food source quick enough to replenish their energy levels oh I, I wonder what 
I wonder what the population are like. I wonder if in Alaska, you know, they're keeping track of of what it looks like there. Because I'm, I would assume that there'd still be. Like I feel like the humpbacks are good about like, they if if they're younger or skinnier individuals. Like sometimes you'll see them staying in the feeding grounds the entire year. Like you know, in Santa Barbara and Monterey, we get humpbacks that still stay throughout the entire year. I just wonder like if there's any gray whale still up in Alaska and like if anybody keeps track of that or anything. I don't well, know. I think that's part of like the symptom of them being late is part of that. Like they're they're, they're, they're still there. Their feeding yeah. ground longer and delaying their migration because they're trying yeah. to feed. Um, and I think there are people keeping track of that up there. Um, I haven't tracked down that information like really specifically myself, but I bet there yeah. is some information out there about that. But then thinking about gray whales and breeding season got me kind of curious. I saw this clip from Cabo Trek, and then Slater, you heard from Devo too, right? So I, no, I saw stories. Oh, okay. So there was a video of gray whales from a Cabo Trip whale watch, and they put the hyd- the GoPro in, and the humpbacks are singing so loudly. And then these gray whales are, like, friendly with their boat. And I was like, I never really thought about it. Like, gray whales listen to humpback whale song, too. <laughs> <laughs> what do they probably, think about it? Like, because they don't sing. Like, probably better than all the pistol shrimp they hear when they're in the yeah, lagoons. That's true. So, I don't know. That was just kind of a weird thought I had that I figured I'd share. Like, gray whales listen to humpback whale song also. Yeah, it's literally like it's like two humpback whales and a gray whale in this video. It comes up in between the two. Like, That's so weird. Cool. And they're like, I look like they were definitely kind of like stopped. Like, they weren't traveling. It's like, what? The whales Dude, were I, like just chilling. I saw that once in, in Santa Barbara. We had a group of like five humpbacks. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this white whale popped up. And we're like, oh my God, is that an albino humpback? And it was just a freaking gray whale, just like in the middle of a bait ball, just like chilling with them. Like I don't know if he was feeding or what, but he was just hanging out. Last Sometimes. season, um, yeah, yeah. Last season we had, um, we we you know we had this one gray that was actually hanging out here a little bit later than usual, and you know this these humpbacks would be like lunch feeding on anchovies, and this gray would just like pop up next to him. We're like, what? Yeah. Yeah, there's been a couple times on the northbound migration that I remember um gray whales like cruising through the bait balls along like um all the sand dune areas on the way to moss landing like and you're like is this whale feeding because like it's not leaving like it's not just passing by it's like circling and milling where these whale other whales are feeding so there's a few that get smart yeah yeah that's good food i i think with the um it's important to look at with the ume like our other whales are doing pretty well. I feel like the humpbacks are definitely their populations rising. I feel like blue, our blue whale population is doing really well as well. Um, and so I, th- I think with a higher population, like the gray whales, you know, 25,000 ish whales, like you're going to have some deaths and you're going to have some UMEs or you're going to have stuff like that. But I, it, it's good to look at the other populations of whales and still see that they're they're rising and not declining. And it's also I, I wonder I wonder if they you know because we don't really know the population of gray whales before the whaling era. I wonder if like they hit a carrying capacity at some point you know or we, what they is. think maybe into the hundred thousand mark before or even hundred fifty thousand. Yeah. That would make sense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah just... so they do have some pretty good reports from Scammon, actually, um, from yeah. Whaling, because he just picked them off right there in front of yeah, the lagoons, sure. which was pretty awful. Um, but his his 
eyewitness testimony is deemed pretty credible because they also did genetic analysis and you can, since you can get so many samples of gray whales, you can actually see the bottleneck in genetic diversity. So interesting. Um, And so they do have some pretty solid data. However, um, I don't think gray whales would ever go personally. I don't think gray whales would ever go back to 150,000 individuals because the entire food web has changed since they were hunted to almost extinction. There's not enough. Adam, me and Caitlin learned from the best. I I firsthand learned from the best. Caitlin learned firsthand (laughs) from my my hero. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jim Jim Sumich. Sumich. Yeah, he got the the Bible of gray whales. You didn't even go to that college, Caitlin. Yes, I did. Yeah, she went to Oregon. No, she didn't. <laughs> Oregon <laughs> State did. University. Caitlin, do you remember? And he learned, he oh. learned under the large whale god, Bruce Mate. Yeah. And I literally had a case of these for James and took him to the ACS conference. Yeah. yeah. And sold them for him because I, I love yeah. this book so much. <laughs> yeah. I'm ordering yeah. that book as we speak. Yeah. He, he's like, head. yeah, he's like, take the case and uh, sell them for me. And I'm like, okay. Uh, yeah. $69. Oh, Dude, whale books are so expensive. I'm not paying sixty nine dollars. Well, wait, wait until ACS gets up and cranking again, because they usually sell them as a fundraiser, and it's not that expensive. Oh wait, I can get a used one for eighteen dollars. If you want a real cool marine mammal book, you have to get Caitlin Taylor's. (laughs) (laughs) It comes with notes in it. (laughs) Slater would like. Slater would come over to my house and be like. Give me this book. And then I had like sticky notes and highlighters and like little arrow tabs oh, and like yeah. written in the Give things. And he's like, yeah. he's like, you just have this all ready to go. I'm like, um, yep. yeah. <laughs> I feel bad when I do that. I, I do in certain books, but not all of them. Like the, yeah. the big encyclopedia one the, that like Uko illustrated. Uh-huh. Um, it's like, who did it? Eric Hoyt and uh bob Pittman and tom jefferson and i think there's one other author that big one um i like annotated that one myself yeah. for like relevant species that i got I, the one that i've been working with the peter illustrated and then i got the new uh carward i can't say his name carward mark carradine yeah i'm looking at it right now <laughs> it's, yeah, the that BBC one. Guy. I, I haven't gone through that one even i have a book recommendation it is called The Invention of Nature. Um, it is a, it's not written by Alexander von Humboldt, but it's about Alexander von, von Humboldt's life. And Alexander von Humboldt now has, you know, the Humboldt current after him, the Humboldt squid named after him. So many cool things. Isn't because... there a penguin? Yeah. <laughs> Humboldt penguin? Humboldt yeah. squid, Humboldt penguin, yeah. Yeah, so dude is like an OG naturalist. I'm talking like Charles Darwin days. Um, but he, it's so cool because he kind of came up with like the idea of viewing nature as an interconnected whole, um, which is how we view it today. Um, different species and um, ecosystems kind of connecting and, and how every little part plays a role. And before that, people didn't really think about it. It was, it was very like Carl Linnaeus, you know, taxonomy, just like species, 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 species. It, they didn't really think of the interconnected whole between species or anything like that. Um, so he talks about that a lot. And he also um, talks about um, the connection to nature, like how we connect to nature and how, and how our emotions and our feelings should play a part in, in how we view nature and what we do with it in a sustainable or economic standpoint. 
Um, and he kind of talks about this one section was really cool. Um, he saw he was in um, South America and he talks about how he had visited this um, little town in like the middle of nowhere, but they had cleared out all the trees in the town. So he kind of saw the first signs of climate change, human induced climate change. And he kind of wrote about that of how, you know, they cut down all the trees. So it was a lot drier. The soils weren't as good for, for propagation or anything like that. So it was really cool. It was just kind of like the first signs of, of human induced climate change and people actually writing about it. Um, but it's a really good book. It's called the invention of nature. And I highly recommend it. If you are an aspiring naturalist or you like nature, um, I've really been delving into the connection of you know nature and people recently and i've been writing a lot about that so that's that's where i've been getting my inspiration from lately so check it out it's neat reading those old books from uh from old naturalists and stuff like that because sometimes their predictions and stuff are like dead on a dead and on and then some of the stuff they say is like absolutely baloney that literally the books exactly. each 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 edition they they take it, they start like editing it out. Like some of the stuff like Darwin said is like yeah, ridiculous. So if you get like the, if you were to get the like the first edition of edition, you know, of original yeah, species, yeah. some of the stuff is like, you know, like I saw this whale, you know, with teeth, you know, you know, uh, like a humpback whale like, with teeth do this, you know, like, and they oh, slowly like, yeah, they'll slowly like edit that stuff out and yeah. stuff like that. It's, it's, <laughs> some of the stuff's dead on, but some of the stuff is like, what? <laughs> yeah. That's funny stuff. That's awesome, Adam. Um, we also put book recommendations in our Patreon with like a more like a paragraph style of like takeaways that we had from it. So I will put um, that maybe in that's there. Something Adam can put in there. Yeah, I'll and then do I'll it right a, now. I'll put a few. I've put a few in there over time. Books and film recommendations. It's one of the like listed benefits for Patreon. Um, but I also have book recommendation. I'm almost done with this one which is Dolphin Diaries by Denise Herzing. It's about Atlantic spotted dolphins in the Bahamas. Dolphins and... don't write. Hey, you stole that joke from when we weren't recording. It's <laughs> uh, <laughs> not going to be the same this time. You guys are awful. Try it again. Um, anyways, so. <laughs> but dolphins can't even write. No, Denise wrote about Denise. it for them. So Denise has been doing a long-term study with these dolphins about <laughs> communication, actually. So it's appropriate that she's writing their diaries, basically. Um, but no, it is really, like, scientific, and it's about reflections about her work and, you know, a little bit about her life as a, as a scientist and stuff. And then I just finished an audio book called All We Can Save, and it's about climate change, and it's testimonials from different women um, all over the world, um, talking about their work or their community efforts in climate change and alternatives for a more sustainable future. There's some really cool, um, work going on with our oceans and with farming and with, uh, powering the world and stuff like that. And it was really cool to hear from a book that's all women, um, and is edited and authored by two women also. And today is International Women and Girls in Science Day, so I figured I should plug two female science-led uh, books. Can so, I see the cover of the dolphin yeah. book again? I think, do I have that? I think I have my screen on blur, so. Dude, I think I've seen that photo before. Yeah. Yeah, she's the founder of, um, I think it's called Wild Dolphin Project is her project. Um, and over the years, she's worked with, like, Lou Herman and Adam Pack and other folks sure. that have done, like, oh. other dolphin studies. So. Hey, Caitlin. Hey, what? <laughs> Will the dolphins <laughs> still be sponging when I get there? 
That's you could earn twenty bucks in Australia. So. Do you know how um, that dolphin met its husband? They just clicked. Stop. <laughs> All right, you guys. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs> Wait, don't know before the, we go. The sponging, they don't know the sponge story. They have, we have to do that off air. That has to be like a Patreon behind the scenes story. Oh, did we get probably in trouble? Why, well, Eric already, or Adam said the F word last week. That'll be, that'll be like spies on our I Patreon. Did. We talk about the stuff Actually, we want to talk about. Did you see Dude, the comments on ask, Patreon? Just ask yeah, me I your, did see that. Ask me or Eric personally about the sponging dolphin story we'll tell you um but yeah thank you so much for listening and thank you to all of our new patreon people wow i'm so happy and impressed and How your much? stuff is in the mail should get it soon yay also also thank you to caitlin taylor on national woman in science ocean day because Without this podcast, without her, this podcast would not run. Like, this girl does so much behind the scenes. Yeah. It's pretty impressive. That's it's, true. I, I, I envy you a lot. So Thank you, Caitlin. Go, go Caitlin. You're, You're welcome, friends. Surrounded by a bunch of idiot dudes all day. I don't know how you do it. You guys aren't, you aren't totally I'm idiot. smart as heck, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't stick around if you guys weren't respectful and smart. So, yes. thank you. Got that going for us. <laughs> Alrighty. All right. Awesome. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye.